is our number three of the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each Sunday night, we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique, and yes, sometimes intense fashion, which is what we just got done doing in hour number two. Hour number three will continue with our look at the race for the White House 2016, which we do on a weekly basis. We also will get to some other things before the program is over. I, I hesitate to revisit what happened in hour number two at the end because that was about as intense as we've ever gotten in an argument, Leah. But I, I am fascinated by how it is that, that we could be so far off in the way we look at the way Ted Cruz responded to this because issue. you don't like him and I do. No, no, That's no. how we're so far apart. Well, I view him as a snake Threat. oil salesman who is, you know, he's a, he's a snake oil salesman, used car salesman with a little televangelist uh, involved in that. And, you know, I don't like him. I'll agree with that. Um, I, I like him. But I have to say this. I did not have a visceral dislike of him until... He did what he did on this birther issue. But he didn't the, do what you said he did. Okay, well then explain to me, Leah. We'll, we'll give this one more try, because I really do want to understand this. Because because to me, this is not even within question. Here's what he does. He had a three-pronged approach to dealing, well, not dealing, with this very serious matter. Number one is to trivialize it. That was insulting right off the bat, because it's not a trivial issue, and it could end up theoretically, handing the election to the Democrats. So that bothered me right off the bat, but that's not even the top issue at all. But that's what he does to start. Then, and this is where I'm really confused, he he then says, look, John McCain had this issue, and um, and a um, and if somebody else what, what was the, not a humanitarian, but, um, you know, he missionary. used... Missionary. Missionary. He used the example of John McCain, then he uses the issue of a missionary. And I'm like, yeah. well, wait a minute. Those couldn't be more irrelevant. Why are you telling me about John McCain or the missionary? Because neither— Because they both ran for president. No, 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 no. You're not listening to me, Leah. Oh, my gosh. You need to just chill out. Leah, they are not analogous to his circumstances. It's like O.J. arguing about all the people he didn't murder. Who cares? Okay, here's what he said. Did you read what he said? I saw it numerous times. Okay. Under long-standing U.S. law, the child of a U.S. citizen born abroad is a natural-born citizen. That's it. No, 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 no. That's that's not even accurate. That is completely unsettled as to whether or not under his circumstances, which does not include a military parent, as did John McCain, and did not include a missionary so he was using two circumstances that were basically red herrings trying to make you pretend or or, or, for for, for trying to fool you he was trying to fool the audience into thinking that somehow his situation was analogous to those two circumstances that were determined to be eligible they're not analogous well those two happen to be people who were running for president so we brought them up but they're not analogous his situation is totally okay. Fine, different. John. Let's move on. But wait a minute. It, this it is doesn't bother me like it bothers you. No, but it bothers me because he's lying. He's and not lying. He is. He he did not address the issue. He trivialized it. He used 
He pretended that he was like John McCain, which he's not. He was he was also not a missionary. His, his, his parents were not missionaries. That's not why they were in His mother was in Canada, and his father is not a U.S. citizen. That's not why they were in Canada. And then the notion... Why are you huffing? You're huffing and puffing. He I'm said right. the child of a U.S. citizen born abroad is a natural born citizen. Wait, uh, Un- it's settled law. No, well, you want not- him to go into some big, huge, long explanation uh, no, up no, there no, uh, the, to Leah, bore people to death? The, Leah, no. I want him to answer the damn question. And he he did. And he did not, and he can't because it's See, not. I think he did. Because it's not been settled. And here's how, here's the proof of it. Of course it's been settled. Where's it been settled, <laughs> Leah? Where is it? Where has it been settled? Where is it? Give me The only ex- reason it's been brought up is because of Donald Trump. No, 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 no. Leah? Leah. Where has it been settled that a, 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 a person not born in this country. It's in the uh, Constitution. No, it is not. It is never it says settled. natural born uh, citizen. No, 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 that, that's, so no, the child we, of a U.S. citizen we, born abroad, if that is a natural born citizen, we're good to go. No, Leah, it is, I'm telling you, it is a fact that it has never been settled. I don't care which way it gets settled. I think it's perfectly fine. If, in theory, if if a court believes that it's constitutional for Ted Cruz to run, I, it's not a big deal for me. But the way he handled this was outrageous. Okay. But, but hold on a second. All right. And, and this the the idea that that somehow this doesn't matter or that this is trivial is extraordinary to me because and if, if there was a good answer he would have given it. And here's and I have to say this about Trump. Trump is missing an opportunity, I believe. Because here's the question that would prove that it's not settled. And this is the question I would love Ted Cruz to get asked. So Ted if Barack Obama had been born in Kenya, which he was not, in my opinion, I believe he was born in, in Hawaii, but if he was born in Kenya, would Barack Obama have been eligible to be president? Because that is the essence of that whole birther situation. Okay, and, if what he said on that stage was true, then yes. You see, but that's, I don't believe he would say that. I don't believe that Cruz, see, Cruz would be in a rock and a hard place there because because there's the psychological difference between Kenya and Canada. It is psychological. But, uh, That's exactly right. But, but if what he said on stage is true, then yes, but, Barack Obama could have been born in Kenya and still become president. I understand that. But I want to see Ted Cruz say that. And, okay, well, maybe we will see that coming and, up. And, and I'm amazed that Trump hasn't forced that hand yet. And... Second, more importantly, uh, it has not been settled. There has never been a court ruling on a specific situation like this one, because in the past it's been because of, for instance, McCain being the most obvious example, because of the fact that he's in the U.S. military. That's why he was born in Panama. His father was stationed there. So mm-hmm. so it, it just bothers me that Cruz, Cruz is so smart, but he thinks he's even smarter than he really is, that somehow that it's going to get past people by by saying well look you know john mccain had this and and the missionaries do that and and let me tell you there are even crazies out there who who think that donald trump wouldn't be qualified but i'm not going to you know i'm not going to use his mother's birth against him what? no he says uh, more extreme ones insist yeah, yeah well that's, no, he wasn't saying that that's mainstream name them 
The, the, but the bring, only the, reason the, that he said that was to bring Donald Trump in, which I thought was pretty smart. Well, and Marco Rubio well, and Bobby Jindal. I thought it was scummy, <laughs> and it, and it, it would have been laughed at in a court of law, especially in the Supreme Court. So, yeah. um, but look, he was very but, popular after the debate. That's uh, for sure. Well, and by the way, he lost that part of the debate. See, I love this this hilarious notion that Ted Cruz won this, regardless of what you think about the back and forth. This was a war being fought in Ted Cruz's backyard, literally. You, you don't, that's not a win. That's a win for Trump. The, even if he loses the battle, Trump wins that war because this is, this is as, as fundamental as it gets. You, this is a, not a conversation Ted Cruz wants to be happening. One, because it deals with his eligibility to be, eligibility to be president. And two, because it reminds people he was born in Canada, which most people don't even know. So, and by the way, he had a Canadian citizenship until 14 months ago. So this is not good for Ted Cruz. I think, I think Trump helped himself here. Well, there is a lawsuit, amazingly, filed the next day. <laughs> Yeah, well, Trump is right <laughs> out again. of Texas, I think. Yeah, Trump is right as as usual. You know, it's with me, it's just works. Magic. You know, it's magic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now that we're back on on friendly terms again, we'll take a break and we'll talk um, a little bit more about what's going on on the GOP side on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. We continue with our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016, which normally means we talk a lot about Donald Trump. We haven't spoken quite as much about uh, him uh, this week, but he's still uh, the uh, center of the universe, especially on the Republican side. And uh, Leah, I've said this many times before, but it bears repeating, mainly because it's true and because... All signs continue to point in this direction. It is all about Iowa now, folks. And it's not just because Iowa's the first. It's because of the nature of Iowa and the nature of Donald Trump and the fact that we really are dealing in an unprecedented set of circumstances here, literally unprecedented. You're going to know everything you need to know about this nominating process very early on, on, on the night of the Iowa caucuses. And I have said for months now, the only way to stop Donald Trump cold, and maybe literally so in, the, in a February night in Iowa, is if he completely implodes, collapses, and fails to meet anywhere near expectations in Iowa. That is possible, although I, I think that that is a less than 50% probability at this point, maybe far less than 50%. I have said if he gets 23% or more, and finishes a strong second or better in Iowa, look out, Trump will be there at least until the convention. And He's ver- almost 28. Well, it depends on which poll you believe in, right. But, I mean, look. Averages. But we have no, but see, the, the, the deal with Iowa, though, Leah, is we have no idea because of the unique nature of the caucuses, because of the fact that people have to get out of their house, go to a school, go to a firehouse, go to yeah. a neighbor's house. They have to stand up in front of their friends, their neighbors, their family members. And, you know, poll after poll indicates that Donald Trump does not do well in polls where people have to speak to another human being. So 
whether or not they're going to be willing to, to do this in public is we just don't know. We just don't know. It's kind of like Ted Cruz's eligibility, but I digress. I think it's going to be one or but, two. I agree. I think I agree. It'll be it'll. And the conventional wisdom is probably right here that Cruz and Trump are in a very close battle. And if that's the case, that's good for Trump because that Trump would, needs to go file a lawsuit. <laughs> well, and, and it would not shock me at all for Trump. He'll, to, he'll get someone to proxy. No, no. I mean, I'm saying it would not shock me for him to win Iowa. Uh, to yeah. me, all all Trump really needs in Iowa is a strong second. In fact, that might be the best place for him to finish would be a very strong, close second. He could trample all over Cruz's uh, acceptance speech. He could claim it was a tie. Right. He'll, he'll have momentum. He'll get all the media right. coverage. He'll win New Hampshire. And then he'll, then it, then the rest of the party is going to be in disarray going into Nevada and South Carolina. So I think Trump is in incredibly strong position here. As a matter of fact, if you go to freespeechbroadcasting.com for the first time ever, not that this is a big deal, but for this show it is, Donald Trump is now for the first time by a few percentage points the favorite to win the GOP nomination at the percentages that I put out each week as to who will be the GOP nominee and who will be the next president of the United States. I still give him almost no chance to be the next president, but he is now the favorite, barely, over Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio to win the GOP nomination. And it's it's really amazing um, how this whole thing has happened. I mean, he has... I thought, Leah, let's talk in general terms about the debate. I thought that that Trump actually handled himself really well under some difficult circumstances and at times even seemed kind of presidential for the first time. Did you agree with that? Well, the New York thing, uh, his answer when, you know, when Ted Cruz threw back the uh, New York values that Trump originally brought up, um, you know, uh, he really, that to me was where, see, I thought Ted Cruz won the birther argument, Mm -hmm. but that Donald Trump, Cleaned his clock on the New York values thing. Because and you can't, you, once you go to 9-11, I mean. Well, for Leah, yeah. right. If, it's, if, it, if that's not going to work on you, Leah, then it's not going to work on anybody. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I actually agreed with you on that. And I thought it was a mistake for, for Cruz because he should have seen that coming because Trump, yeah. Trump had already done that on television. Um, like the day or two before. He'd done, I mean, and, and given a really good answer and 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 allowed trump to look presidential because that's i of all the things i'm most impressed with with regard to the political acumen of donald trump and all this he does know how to change the next act he he, he, he's definitely shown a different gear i mean like for instance I thought he was going to lose his temper when when Cruz brought his mother into it. He didn't. He he nope. kept his calm. Yep. Um, and and now that he has shown he's the alpha male, he also has to show some emotional side and some some presidential gravitas side. And I thought he did that on the 9/11 issue, even if it was a bit self-serving. So I, I have to tell you, I I continue to believe, as amazing as this remarkable story is, that everything continues to be a go. For Donald Trump to to win this nomination, it's, it it's, does. It's, it does. It, it's insane. Uh, it's not good because you know Clinton wins by ten in some polls, and that could be optimistic. Which we'll unless talk, uh, unless <laughs> right, yeah. All right. When we come back, though, a new na- if if Donald does win it all, we may have a new national anthem. We've got to play this for you, folks. Don't go anywhere. This is uh, hilarity off the charts on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Thank you. 
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And we finish up this week's look at the race of the White House 2016 with a, a little bit different look at uh, the Donald Trump phenomenon. And, you know, I've never seen anything like this, uh, Leah. I mean, the, the Donald Trump thing has been compared to to other phenomenon, like, for instance, what happened in 2008 with Barack Obama. I, yeah. I, th- I think it's crazier in a lot of ways because of his persona and because of some of the things that we have seen. And what I'm what I'm sensing, which is really odd, is that there's almost a growing acceptance among even the Republican establishment that, you know what, he's probably going to be the guy. Yeah. And and there doesn't seem to be as much fight back as I expected there would be. It, it's almost like people are starting to give up already, and we haven't even had a vote yet. Um, <laughs> and it, well, I, look, he's been the front runner since the beginning. People people have gotten, I think, fatigued. by He's just, by force of his own energy, he's just... <laughs> Tired everybody out, and um, and things that would seem utterly ridiculous and obscene and absurd are now being accepted as oh okay that seems kind of normal now in this that's weird, right this weird world we're living in and specifically what I'm referring to is is something happened this week at a rally for Donald Trump in Florida mm-hmm. and where um, there's this group called USA Freedom Kids. Or the Freedom Girls, and, and the best best way I can describe them, Leah, tell me if you think this is right. There's, there are three girls who are dressed up um, kind of like patriotic cheerleaders. Imagine if Betsy Ross and Uncle Sam had a ch- had three kids. Um, that's what they would look like, uh, you yeah. know, as red, white, and blue as you can possibly get. And they started this Donald Trump uh, rally with what could only be described as like a futuristic national anthem in a world where Donald Trump was our benevolent dictator. And, <laughs> and, and I'm not exaggerating. So let's let's play what it might sound like someday uh, for Donald Trump uh, if he was to be president, what our what our new national anthem might sound like. Leah? President Donald Trump knows how to make America great. Deal from strength or get crushed every time. (laughs) Now that's the part, the last part there. Oh, that's enough. That's enough. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Oh, you want to hear some more? I will have you know that these people are a separate issue, and they called around to all the campaigns. They want to go and be seen, and no one, as they say, we couldn't get to first base with anyone except for Donald Trump. Oh, so in other words, said, sure. So in other words, <laughs> wait a minute. So this these these group of girls, they they tried to sell themselves to every campaign, and only the Trump campaign said, sure, we're crazy enough to do this. 
That's exactly right. Uh, their dad is the manager, and he says, with some candidates, I couldn't even get on first base. Um, the last part deserves repeating, because this is, to me, every every rally really ought to have children singing the following words. President Donald Trump knows how to make America great. Deal from strength or get crushed every time. <laughs> Deal from strength. Deal from strength. Or get crushed every time. Hey, but, teach them young. <laughs> I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. And and the and the crowd is there clapping. Yay! And, well, yeah, yes, go America, USA, USA. <laughs> um, and and it's I mean this is a guy who um, a few months ago you couldn't even convince me wasn't a a, a mole for Hillary Clinton. I mean, listen, it, it's still in the back of my mind. I it, swear I can't get over it. I can't get over it. I bought into Glenn Beck's fake Donald Trump tweet yesterday. Uh, Donald Trump apparently had uh, – uh, uh, there was a fake tweet that was circulating around the Internet saying that uh, in 2012, I always vote for winners. Congratulations, my friend Barack Obama. And I was like, aha! Okay. <laughs> well – you know, I will say this, and, and maybe I'm being, being naive, and, and my theory on Trump from the beginning has not been that he is a conspiratorial mole, but that he was doing this for his own aggrandizement, the attention, his own ego, right? and, and that if and when it went in, into the toilet, he was going to have to get back in the good graces of the news media by making right. sure that Hillary won. I right. still think that, that there's a scenario where that's possible. However, he has done... An amazing job Trump has of convincing me and I think other people that at the very least he's sincere about doing this. I, oh, he's in it to win it. I I, <laughs> I agree that now. Now, by the way, maybe that's a new. Maybe it was even new for him. Maybe he didn't even expect that this was going to get as big as it did. I'm or, sure he didn't. <laughs> and and so maybe he's now you know he's buying it and doing it himself. But I, I just to me. I unless he's an incredibly good actor and maybe and maybe I'm you know my BS detector is is for some reason malfunctioning I think he wants to help make America great I really do now I don't think he's going to have the chance to do it I don't think he's going to win I don't think he would be that great a president to begin with because I don't think he's cut out for it but he has at least convinced me that he's sincerely trying and that he actually does want to win which is something I would not have believed a few months ago. And, of course, I would never have believed four or five months ago that he would be the favorite to win the nomination. But currently, at, at freespeechbroadcasting.com, you can see yourself, even I, have now made Donald Trump the favorite to be the, not by much, but to be the favorite to be the Republican nominee, which I just cannot believe I'm saying. And, actually, I really do believe. I, I believe that he has a better, a better chance by slim margin than even Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio to be the nominee. And it's just the most remarkable political story of my lifetime. It's unbelievable. Well, look, he is transforming into the president right before our eyes. He really is. I mean, just the way, like he is putting on the outfit. <laughs> He's putting on the well, persona. Now, you make a very, I don't know if this is what you meant, but you make a very important point, Leah. And that is, I've always, there's, there's several stages to becoming president. And, and Trump had to go through more hoops than most.
I mean, he had to go through at the very beginning of this, just the the flat out being taken seriously, you yes. know, uh, hoop, which most you know most presidential contenders don't have to worry about, and he has gone through each hoop. He's been helped along the way because of his celebrity and the conservative media helped him and 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 for reasons that I think are rather nefarious and and we've gone into in the past. But the reality is the last stage for someone like him and maybe the most difficult is to get people to imagine him as president. Yeah. And I don't think he's been able to do it with 51 percent or anywhere near that of the general population. But I think he's darn near close to the over 50 percent of the GOP voting population being able to imagine that happening. And, yes. and when he's done that, he's won because because that was always going to be the most difficult hurdle for someone like a Donald Trump to overcome. And he is darn close to doing it. And that's why I'm saying if he does well in Iowa, a strong second or a win, look out. Uh, this thing is actually going to happen, as as astonishing as that is. All right, when we come back, my least favorite story of the week and my favorite story of the week, you won't want to miss either, on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Uh, Leah, before we get out of here uh, for this week, I, I want to talk about uh, my least favorite and my favorite news stories of the week, both of which are going to sound rather trivial, okay? but they're not. Um, the first is particularly uh, important because... Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day, and of course, uh, obviously that uh, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but specifically with regard to his dream of living in a colorblind society, I found it rather amazing and depressing that two different iconic uh, movie-slash-television characters were announced this week by major media corporations as taking on a new ethnicity. The first was Nancy Drew. Remember Nancy Drew? Of you course know? I remember Nancy Drew. I should have been Nancy Drew. I didn't know that. What do you mean? Oh, you I should... was way into investigations as a kid. Oh, okay. I would investigate everything. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Okay. Um, well, CBS has a new Nancy Drew that, according to The Hollywood Reporter, will look very different should the network move forward with the reboot. CBS Entertainment President Glenn Geller revealed this week that the network's re-imaging of the iconic character will be diverse. <sighs> quote, quote, she is diverse. That is the way she is written, the executive told The Hollywood Reporter, immediately following his time in front of the press at the Television Critics Association Winter Press Tour. While Geller said it was too early in the process to explain just what he meant by Diverse. Whether Nancy is African-American, Asian-American, or Latino, he said it would hinge on finding the right actress for the part, saying, quote, 
she, Nancy Drew, will not be Caucasian. Oh, there you go. Because, I mean, that's absolutely out of the question. Right. But I love this. This is the quote. <laughs> she will not be Caucasian. I'd be open to any ethnicity. Except for Caucasian. Right. Now, now, the, now I don't really care whether Nancy Drew is white or black or Asian you know, or whatever. Nancy Drew's white. I mean, okay. she's okay. always been white. Well, it it's just one of those things. Okay, well, it doesn't matter to me. And I have no problem. They can make her whatever she wants. What I find amazing and important about this is that you have a major network executive being perfectly willing to say publicly, we are hiring for a position that Caucasians need not apply for. Yeah. Now, imagine, imagine if... If there was any other ethnicity that a major network executive tried to do that with. The, I'm telling you, there, there's a war on whites. <laughs> oh, absolutely there's a war on whites. And it's and it's so obvious and so prevalent that this person didn't even think about what they were saying. No, and now, you get points if you say that. It, it, it is so embedded in their culture in Hollywood that he could actually say something as idiotic as, Nancy Drew will not be a Caucasian. I'd be open to any ethnicity. And they never, it never even occurred to them. I swear to you, it never even occurred to them. It was just flat out ridiculous. That sounded. It, it just, that never even happened. And, and as to your point, if anyone ever raised it in the back rooms there, they'd be slapping them on the back. Like, good oh, job. Yeah. Oh, that was really good. Excellent oh, effort. Sure. Excellent, excellent effort. Because, and by the way, of course, the irony is they're all white people. They're these are all That's white, right. all white people making these decisions to ban. We hate ourselves. Right. Well, let's not employ us anymore. Well, because that's how we keep our jobs. We're going to keep our jobs by making sure no other Caucasians get hired because then no one can call us racist. That's I mean, true. And that's totally true. And it's and then it wasn't just Nancy Drew, but. 24, uh, the the TV series from that was made famous on Fox. Apparently, they're doing a reboot with no Jack Bauer, and it was quoted by Fox saying part of the reason no Jack Bauer is because Jack Bauer's white, and they want to be the lead character of 24 to be you guessed it, diverse. Okay, so sorry. But there's no tw 24 without Jack Bauer, okay? Right. Nancy Drew is white. Cookie from Empire is black. Could you ever have a white person play Cookie? You can't. There are just certain roles that are in your mind as cast in a certain way, and there's nothing wrong with it. I, I, look, I agree with that, but the, the, the larger point here is that it is so embedded in the culture now, especially in Hollywood, that it's perfectly acceptable to to say no whites, no whites allowed. You cannot possibly get away with that with any other ethnicity. And the fact that Caucasian doesn't even count as an ethnicity and that somehow diversity for the sake of diversity is inherently good. Doesn't matter. By the way, no thought about, you know, will the show be better or or is this? That the doesn't matter. Uh, right. It doesn't matter. Or is this the, is the best actress or the best actor? No, 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 no. We got to find one that fits our vision of diversity because it's diversity over everything else. Well, and I mean, you know, the not, Oscars, they were mad about that. Which, of course, is insane. <laughs> and my response to the Oscar controversy over having no black actors um, nominated is, okay, fine. 
Um, tell me, first of all, who should have been nominated. I don't know anybody that should have been that wasn't. Maybe Will Smith. Okay. I mean, but that movie Concussion didn't do very well, even though I thought that Will Smith did a good job in the movie. But here's my, my counter to that. So when the NBA All-Star team is announced, and for the 1800th consecutive year, they're almost all black, where's the complaints there? I've, uh, no one ever complains about that, and, and, and that's a small percentage of the population. You know, blacks make up, what, 15% of the population. They're going to make up, not, once again, 95%, 98% of the NBA All-Star team. That's it, dominance. That's just too much. Yeah, but, you know, the, <laughs> I mean. But, it's about ability. Right. It's about talent and ability and not skin color. It's well, just insane how backwards we're going. Well, especially considering you know, what Martin Luther King's dream was. All right. In the last couple of minutes, though, I got to talk about my favorite story of the week. And I'm curious about your reaction to it because you're the animal lover. No, uh, I hated the story. You hated the story? Okay. I so, hate this story. So, so, so tell me, when you first, did you hear about it the first time, the first incarnation of the story? No, I didn't. Okay. So here's, for people who have no idea what we're talking about, which is almost everybody at this point, there was a story this week that got a lot of play online because there were some photographs of some kangaroos in New Zealand. And the narrative created by a couple of photographs was this was heartbreaking because this female kangaroo, in their dying moments, reached out to her offspring and to, for one last goodbye and that the male a kangaroo was protecting her, and then when she died, he he made sure that uh, no predators got anywhere near her, and that this was somehow similar to a human interaction between a, a mother and a father and an offspring in this tragic moment of death for a kangaroo. And it, it got a lot of play, because that's a narrative that obviously human beings can relate to. And oh my gosh, isn't this amazing? Because these kangaroos were experiencing the same thing that humans experience, and it's so touching and so tragic. And that went for about 24 hours. And when I first saw it, Leah, I, I have to say, although I did not tweet anything about it, because I, I don't know why I, was, I didn't feel very well this week, and maybe I wasn't confident in my BS detector, but it didn't feel right to me. It just, my BS detector was definitely buzzing. I'm like, wait a minute. This seems a little bit too convenient, and we're doing this based upon a couple of photographs? How do we know? Well, it turns out that some kangaroo experts looked at the photographs, and lo and behold, they found something. They found that the male in the photographs was sexually aroused. <laughs> and that because the male in the photographs was sexually aroused, the more likely scenario was that it was the male who actually killed the female because she wouldn't have sex with him. And that it was completely 100% different than the original media narrative and that this, this kangaroo, which had been put up on this pedestal, this male kangaroo, who, who had been mourning and protecting the death of, of his mate and the mother of his child was actually a murderer. Now, did you have any, what was your, why, why do you hate that story? Because I love okay. that story. No, I hate the story. Okay, first of all, because, I, well, I didn't see the original story. So I don't know if that, because I was on vacation. So d if that thing took off like a wildfire on the internet. It did. Okay. Then I saw this story and I'm like, okay, so let's see. This to me looks like uh, a couple of guys want to get famous and come out and tell a different story. 
Well, so we, you're not buying the the revisionist no, uh, story. No, it's not that I'm not buying it, but everything they say is May. They have no idea okay, what happened. No, no, hold on a second. You, we we know that the kangaroo was sexually aroused. Well, I this, couldn't tell. <laughs> I looked at the picture. I couldn't tell. Okay. I'm telling you, these people want their two seconds of fame because it's it's going nationwide. Uh, Everything they say right. is. He may have. Uh, This may, 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 may. And I'm like, this never should have been a story. Well, it shouldn't have been a story because the news media buys into a narrative that they like. Because we don't know anything. I'm confident that that kangaroo is a murderer. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Till next week, Leah Brandon. Free speech broadcasting. Of course you are. (laughs) Dot com. So long, everybody.